and welcome to Secondhand Film Critics, your favorite source for mildly pretentious, semi-uneducated, and highly unqualified opinions on romantic comedies. I'm Kayla, mm. and I am here with my co-host... Owen Wilson. That's me. <gasps> wow. I'm back. Thanks for having me on Secondhand Film Critics, guys. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite podcast. I wish Owen Wilson We're, was actually on our podcast. He would be like, this is my first time on secondhand film critics. <laughs> that was a reference to the Marvel Loki interview that he did. Yeah. For those of you out there that do not know. Yeah, well, we're we're talking about Marry Me today, which is why I opened with Owen Wilson. Yes. My, my best Owen Wilson impression. Yes. Um... I think before we do that, though, uh, let's just jump right into it this week with our answers to last week's question of the week, which uh, was talking about another favorite genre of ours, which are high school comedies. We asked you, what is your favorite high school comedy, which is a big, a big question. There's a lot of good ones. There are. There are. And we got a lot of uh, varied responses, which is cool. Yeah. So Joe Miller said Sing Street. Uh, which is definitely mm. a little more niche, I think, than kind of one of the more yeah. popular. But it is a good one. I've seen it. and It's very good. It's a great movie. Some good music, too. We got a few answers on Instagram as well. That one was through Spotify. So thank you, Joe, for using Spotify because we always like to incorporate <laughs> different ways to get answers. Um, but Instagram, we got Zach Smith Michaels with 21 Jump Street, which is the movie we did actually talk about in that episode. So that's funny. We got Dan. He said "fired up," which is his biggest guilty pleasure. I don't. I feel like a lot of I, them are guilty. I don't pleasures, even know what that movies. is. Is it about pottery? Fired up. I'm sure you know, it's about firefighters. <laughs> high school firefight. The high school firefighter department. Um. Nope. It's here's the synopsis. Okay. Two guys, three hundred girls. You do the math. So a hundred girls for each guy. Y- no, is the it would math, be 150, 150 girls for each guy. Because there's only two guys. Oh, there's 900? Oh, there's only two guys. I thought they said three two guys. Two guys, 300 girls. So it would be 150 okay. per guy. Obviously, I can't do It's the a math. high school. Um. <laughs> the two guys, instead of going to football camp, go to cheerleading camp. So, oh, interesting. It's on HBO Max. Maybe I'll hey. watch it. HBO Max is it has been killing it recently, got to say. Another high school comedy in that kind of vein is Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is what Carly said. Uh, I watched that more recently, actually. I actually like, haven't seen that last one. Year. Wow. I don't know if you would like it. <laughs> it's, it doesn't really seem like what you would like, but it may, I don't know. You I never don't know. know. Maybe. I trust, I trust you to know, though, if I would like it or not. I, I mean, you might enjoy it. I wouldn't say it would be your favorite, though. That maybe that's a good way to put it. And then Mike said The Girl Next Door, which I also don't know what that is. I have no idea what that is. Wow, people really came in with the niche picks on this one. I know, really, for real. I thought we were going to get like 16 Candles or something. Is it about a girl who lives next door? I would think so. Um, mm, but Yes, you know, a high schooler falls in love with his gorgeous 19-year-old neighbor. 19-year-old neighbor? Okay. That's not bad. I was assuming it might be like that one. Remember that one with Jennifer Lopez where it's like she was like 40 something years old. That was like I came out like five years ago. 
There was one with her where like it was like a twenty year old guy and she was like forty five or something. I have absolutely no idea what you're and talking she about. She lived next door. Let's see. Jennifer Lopez next door movie. I have no spelled, spelled a lot of that wrong. No idea what you're talking the, about. That one is called The Boy Next Door. Uh when a handsome, charming teenager named Noah moves in next door. Newly separated high school teacher Claire Peterson encourages his friendship and engages in a little bit of harmless, or so she thinks, flirtation. Although Noah spends much of the time hanging out with Claire's son, the teen's attraction to her is palpable. One night, Claire gives in to temptation and lets Noah seduce her. But when she tries to end the relationship, he turns violent. Yeah, so that's the one I thought that Mike was saying, and I was like, okay, interesting choice, but I'm glad it wasn't this one. Yikes, um, everything about that like makes me have a viscerally mm. angry reaction. It is an erotic thriller, so I guess yeah, I Yeah, so I, I don't expected. think it's supposed to be like a comedy, like it's not supposed to be a positive no. thing, but like still- It's still a little bit uh, much Very weird, <laughs> very much should probably not have been made, but it is what it is. Mm, some kind of like another Jennifer Lopez movie that shouldn't have been made that we will be talking oh, about gosh. today. <laughs> just, just joking. Um, All right. Before we get to that, though, we we're gonna just have a quick discussion on regular, just old rom coms. Yes, I have uh, just a brief, very very brief history that I wrote in five mm. minutes for you. So rom coms. Wait, are you looking at it right now? I have it on screen. I won't read it. Okay, though, if you don't so want me do to. you know who wrote the first kind of rom com or like m- sort of romantic comedy structured story? Shakespeare. He did. Yes, it was Shakespeare. So Shakespeare did it all. You know, Merchant of Venice is kind of like the first structure, like the one people kind of credit as a structured rom com. Um, obviously, mm. he has you know Romeo and Juliet, uh, which is very romantic tragedy comedy. And Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, so a lot of his are tragedy, comedy, whatever you call that. His kind of started, and then, you know, we get into films where stuff is translating from theater to the screen. And the first mm. rom com, or the first movie that is credited as rom com, is Sherlock mm. Jr. I love that movie. Yeah. That's a great movie. Great movie. Um, So that's in the silent film era. If you've watched silent films, a lot of those, whether or not it's like a romance movie, there's usually a romantic plot in it. Um, So Mm. a lot of Buster Keaton films there's or Charlie Chaplin films, there's usually kind of a romantic interest that is taking place and the guy's kind of being a fool and trying to catch the attention of the pretty woman. So they're very early on romance is centered in movies um which makes sense and then in the 30s uh once film transitioned from silent silent film to the talkies the kind of big major one was it happened one night starring clark gable which won best picture in i think 1935 something like that Mm, and that was kind of like the first big major talkie like actual romantic comedy like something that was meant to be very funny and and, um, humorous, Mm. but also have elements of kind of a romance story in it. And then once we got into the 40s and 50s, we got a lot of screwball comedies. So uh, The Apartment, His Girl Friday, a lot of those like Cary Grant movies, 
specifically yep. was a big star of those. Um, Jimmy Stewart kind of starred in some of those as well as supporting or a lead. So there's a lot of those. Philadelphia Story mm. is another big one. Yeah, that's like the biggest one I, can, I think um, of when, during that era. Bringing Up Baby. So there's a lot of those that were kind of right in that. And this happened a lot because uh, if you're familiar with the Hayes Code at all, the Hayes Code was kind of prevalent in early Hollywood, yeah. which prevented a lot of sexual content from happening. So a lot oh, of no. the movies were very, like, kind of dumbed down in, in romance. Like, that's why they had to fall on that screwball comedy type style mm. because they couldn't really do a whole ton of sexual tension and stuff in those like we would see in the 60s and 70s. I gotta say, the, apart- the apartment has a lot of sexual tension. It though. does. And like, that's from 1960, so it's like right on the edge. Yeah, so once the Hayes Code kind of started being scrapped and more stuff was getting through and sex and love was able to be more openly talked about on screen in, you know, not just a very vague and implied way, we got very, like, sex-driven romance movies in the 60s and 70s. So a mm. lot of these are, I mean, there are romantic comedies at this time, but it wasn't necessarily, it was a very transitional period for romance movies. Um, and then once we right. got into the 80s and 90s, that's really where a lot of the romantic comedies we see today kind of stem from, is that sort of fun relationship with added sexual tension, but there's a lot of like giddiness and a more emotional side of romance combined with the humor elements um, so definitely a more broad scope of approaching the romantic comedy instead of, you know, specific subsets of romance. You kind of get it all now in a romance movie, depending on the rating of the movie. Obviously, with PG and PG-13, you're only getting implied sexual content with rated R movies. You know, who knows what you're going to get. Yeah, so that's kind of the who brief knows? history, um, very brief history of the timeline of the romantic comedy. Hmm, Interesting. Yeah, there, there's a lot of different styles and types of romantic comedies. And, y- like, looking at what romantic comedies come from which time, I think, is a good representation of the society's um, views on sexual politics and usually just women in yeah. society. And it's, like, it's a really interesting to, like, look at different rom-coms and then compare them to the time in which they were written. Because they're so mainstream too so like they're supposed to appeal to everyone yeah definitely now we can just kind of talk about maybe what we like about rom-coms and some of the rom-coms that we like briefly before we get into our review so for you what makes Mm. a good rom-com movie what is it that you like in a rom-com because i know you're not i'm a big rom-com fan i think this has Mm. been very clear if you're a regular (laughs) listener of the podcast uh, I'm no what uh, am I really um I, I watch a multitude of Hallmark movies um mm. so I'm curious what it is that you like because I know you like maybe a little bit more refined romance or how how would you describe it um I don't know like as I feel like as long as I am invested in the romance between the two leads I really don't care I think that's really where, like, just if I don't care about the romance, and the, sure. then I just don't care about the story. Um, so what really makes a good rom-com for me is I need the two 
leads to have good chemistry together. Um, because if they have good chemistry and I'm rooting for them, then I, a movie can get away with a lot, you know? I think yeah, that's definitely. true in a lot of stuff. Where, like, if you care a lot about the characters, then the movie can get away with a lot more. But I think it's even more prevalent in rom-coms because that's really what's driving the entire story is the, like, the will they, won't they. Yeah, usually there's not as much substance in the plot. So really, you have to have good leads for it to really do anything worthwhile. Right, good leads and good dialogue, too, like, between them. And I just, like... I like them to also just have a good sense of character in themselves as well. Yeah. Because um, I think a lot of times movies can either lean too much on one of them or they both feel like kind of easily like they were like kind of made for each other on paper, like a little too much where it's like, obviously, this is supposed to be what this guy's supposed like supposed to compliment this person. I don't know. Um, so I, I also like it to have that sense of individuality to each of the characters yeah. as well. So it feels more real rather than. I think in Hallmark movies, it can really feel very manufactured because, like, obviously there's a thing like, oh, obviously this is the person who we want her to get together with because this is, like, obviously who they wrote this character for. And this she's not a real character without this person, if that yeah. makes sense, you know? So that's another good point where, like, I'd like them to be full characters on their own rather than... Because I think that can also lead into bad messaging where, like, you're not a real person without a significant other to like complete you um which i think you can find in a lot of like kids or old disney movies for kids yeah definitely feeling too yeah i mean i agree with everything you said i definitely give much more grace than i think you do because i'm like whatever i do think there are superior romance movies like movies that are Mm. clearly much better than other ones like I mean, when Harry Met Sally, for instance, is like a very well-made movie, whether or not it's a rom-com. And then like, you know, there's other like really, really stupid ones, but it's like, I love watching all of them. So, you know, I can definitely recognize that there are better ones in the genre, but I'm, you know, I don't make too much of a distinction. I'm kind of just like, let me have them all. And if they're dumb, they're dumb, and I will yeah. probably like them anyway, I guess. Well, it's nice that they're they're pre- usually pretty easy watches, too. So it's yes. like, it doesn't ever really feel like if you watch one, then you, like, wasted a lot of time, because they never really feel like much of a chore to get through, even if you don't like them, which is, I think, to their benefit, because there are a lot of rom-coms where I've seen where it's like, that was not great. But it doesn't feel as much like if I had sit, sat down and watched a more dramatic movie and that would feel maybe more like disappointing because I don't know. I just think that rom-coms are easier to watch even when they're not great. Yeah, there's a certain level of expectation that comes with a rom-com. So obviously mm, when you're going true. in, you can definitely come out like you're saying because you're not really expecting it to be the greatest movie. So you're not That's feeling true. like yeah. you're wasting time after because you didn't expect it to be a five-star anyway. You're probably mm. really only expecting it to be a three-star at the most if it's just a casual rom-com. Right, like no one's going into a rom-com thinking like, this is going to be the next Citizen Kane right now. <laughs> like you're watching a rom-com because you want to laugh. Yeah, because it's feel to good. be like invested They're in a romance. They're definitely exactly. like comfort yeah. films that 
most of the time that I turn on rom-coms is when I want just a casual comfort film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's like the natural progression of when you're a kid and you watch like like kids movies, you know, animated movies that are like made for kids that are just supposed to be fun or like something like Spy Kids or I don't know, those kind of movies when you're a kid. That's this is like the adult equivalent because you're not going in expecting an amazing like feature film, but you're just watching them because you like them and they are fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, and I think like you can maybe say that's about all comedies. But I think there in comedy, there's a lot more wiggle room, just like in the general comedy, because you can make more high concept comedies. And there are comedies I've seen where it's like, this isn't funny at all. So this is a waste of time, because if it's if if it's straight comedy, then you're relying a lot more on the humor than the relationships. Sure. What are you some of your like top tier favorite rom-coms that are your go tos? I've got quite a few. Um there, I see that. Yes. Many, I have many go-tos, but my main mm. go-tos, uh, my number one is 13 going on 30. I can pop that on at any time, pretty much. Usually, if you see me watching it, on, like I logged it a lot on Letterboxd in 2020, I think, because that was just like a bad year. And so I... No, no, it was a great. What are you talking about? What was wrong with twenty twenty? Um, and so great year. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's just one of those things that's like for me is a very like de stressing movie. Like you can kind of just watch it and kind of all your stress sort of sinks out of your body, which I can appreciate. So that's kind of my my main one. Uh, Another one of my favorites is while you were sleeping. I think people try to redo this plot all the time. There's like a Hallmark movie every year that has this plot or more than one. And I feel like it's never as good. Uh, But uh, that movie, because it's so like winter centered, definitely is one that I don't usually watch year round. Um, But, you know, I still I still really like that one. Pride and Prejudice, of course, uh, the 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 2005 one with Keira Knightley. I think it was 2005 that one is i think it was um, yeah. iconic obviously 10 things i hate about you i really like uh princess diaries 2 definitely mm, would be one movie. with chris pine we gotta do a whole episode on both of them i, I agree think. like because we've talked like three times about them a little bit yeah we just gotta do a i whole saw episode. princess diaries 2 in the movie theater and had wow uh, i have a movie theater experience for that um you got to see Julie Andrews sliding on a mattress in like, the theater. Oh in my god! It was for like a birthday HD party. Screen. I think I went to someone's Man, birthday party to see it. That's a great birthday party movie because um, that's like the best scene is the birthday party. Yeah, let's see. My big fat Greek wedding, Sleepless in Seattle. Mm. You know, right. and then I like a lot of older movies as well. Like it happened one mm-hmm. night, and you know, Philadelphia Story and stuff like that. But definitely yeah. modern rom coms are sort of my cup of tea. Right, and you watch like we said all of those, all the Hallmark ones too. Yes, like you love those as well, which I are do. like oh, almost a new, a different genre because they're like a, a version of the rom com. Yeah, they're so short. They, they're and a lot more toned down too because yes. they're like for a completely different audience than like while you were yeah TV is. family audience. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean I like a lot of the ones that you that you cited. I think that all of them have like a very distinct like feel good feeling to them you already mentioned when harry met sally that's probably like my favorite rom-com 
Yeah. I really like the apartment as well, which we've already talked about. Uh, trying to think. It's like I like a lot of movies with rom-com elements that I wouldn't necessarily call rom-com, so it's a little tricky. Like, I think Before Sunrise is like, it has elements of rom-com in it, but I don't think it really should qual- would qualify as one. Uh, I do like a lot of older ones. I th- One that I like a lot is Holiday with Cary Grant, which I don't think a lot of people talk mm. about. Because, like, I think people – it's one of those with Cary Grant where, like, you have the main three or four you always talk about yeah. and all the other ones kind of, like, get grouped together. So that one is really good. I would recommend that to, to pretty much anyone. La La Land, you know, that's a rom-com, I think. Sure. Um, High School Musical is a rom-com Of course. To me. Of course. Of um, course. So I think we need to just make sure we talk about – we mentioned that one. You um, like that Christmas yeah. one, that, like, random Christmas one about the heart – Oh, the- last last Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great movie. <laughs> that one is good. That is like a very modern like rom com. Yes, that kind of yeah. Movie, that movie. That's why I think I like that one because it felt ac- even a little bit like a throwback, I guess. So maybe like more 2010 style rom com. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. Which is cool because I think that's a nice era. Uh, a lot of like 80s ones, obviously. I think I don't like 16 Candles at all. But I like Pretty in Pink, and I think that one doesn't yeah. get talked about a lot. Princess Bride, you like? I do like Princess Bride. Clueless, we didn't talk about. We didn't say Clueless, Aww. though. I think like the romance at the center of Clueless is maybe my least favorite part of it, but I think it's still it's still yeah. fun. So yeah, there's there's a lot out there. There's plenty of great ones, and a lot that you can rewatch. Like rom coms just have a really good rewatchability Definitely. to them which is something that I can appreciate as well. And there's so many more that I like. Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia's great. Uh, I love Leap Year, personally. I know that a lot of people think that movie's dumb. I don't care. It's great. It's in Ireland, and it has Matthew Good in it. I think for me, like, genres that I like, you know, I'm very into, like, film noir, kind of that style. Mm. And then I'm also into, like, you know, I maybe combine that with heist films and then documentaries and then i would say rom-coms those would be like my top three like documentaries heist films rom-coms i think um palm springs is also one that came out recently that is like a good example of a more recent rom-com that i wish there was more of. yeah definitely and one of those like a high concept too because that's another subgenre like a subgenre i think 13 going on 30 is kind of like that as well where like you have that hook to it um which i think sometimes is nice to keep you a little more engaged than like with the hallmark movie it's always very set in the real world i like sometimes adding in those concepts there hasn't been a rom-com recently that i've been like real that i've really liked compared Mm. to older ones because obviously like i watch a lot of the dumb netflix ones like to all the boys and whatever other mm. kind of I like the first one of those. I think the out. first to all the boys was like a good example. Yeah, but it's not one that I'm com. like, you know, rewatching or putting up there yeah. with like 13 going on 30. Like mm-hmm. I definitely mm-hmm. like I hope that eventually another one will come out that I'm like, oh, yes, yeah. got to add this to the docket of like movies that I can rewatch. Yeah, I know you didn't like Happiest Season. I think that was one for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and also that was an interesting thing because, like you said, we don't get a lot of rom-coms. So I think the discussion around that movie and, like, how much people were talking about it is a sign that, like, people really do like rom-coms. And they do have a lot of, like, relevance in the culture if you get, if you allow them to. 
I think that's one thing where like studios don't think that they're worth as much because it's like, oh, there's no superheroes. There's no is, cool things. Oh my God. But, it, it, this cycle in Hollywood happens all the time where they underestimate the female viewer. And it's like hmm. women have proved time and time again they will pay money for these movies. Hmm. Like, just keep making them. Yeah. But studios continually, because they're run by men. They keep forgetting. <laughs> like, every couple years they forget and then a massive hit comes out that makes, you know, mm. millions of dollars. And they're like, oh, my God, wait, women go to movies, too? I mean, like, yeah. we saw this with Titanic, um, Twilight, which we both yeah, we just watched listened, to that, that uh, listened to that podcast, recently, which talks yeah. about that. Um, I don't remember what it's called off the top of my head. Um, the Big Hit Show. Yeah. It was like, because they're doing, like, season, it was, like, the first season of that show. It's very good. I would recommend yeah, anyone. Yeah, and that's one thing they talked about. Listen to Definitely it. is underestimating the female viewers. Like, they were shocked that women bought tickets to go see Twilight. And it's like, come on. Why? are you? Yeah. And like, I feel like this happens, like, I mean, people were, even then, were shocked with Fifty Shades of Grey. It's like, what? People wanted to go see this? And it's like, oh, my God. Like, this has been happening for literal decades mm. where this massive movie come. I mean, Titanic is one of the highest grossing films of all time. And it's like, yeah. that was women driven sales because they wanted to go see Leo. Like I, it just is uh-huh. like, this is a very big market and I don't think studios are capitalizing on it enough. I don't know. I just think that if they were to make a stupid rom-com, like, you know, one we've had in the past, not like the ones they're making, not like this one that we're going to talk about here. Yeah. But like if they made yeah. a stupid rom com with like Sebastian Stan mm. and I don't know, I'm trying to think of like a popular female actress, Florence, Another film Florence Pugh. Pers- I don't know. But what like, what about they just get Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie like, and they don't reference Falcon Winter Soldier, but it's like they know that people want yeah, that, but so it's that's like, like their version of it. They That'd need be so to just great. pick someone like that because I think they think that rom coms are below these kind of like big name actors, which is not true mm. because a lot of big name actors have been in rom coms. And so it's like, like we said, it's Philadelphia Story was like one of the biggest casts of all time, and those are the great stars. biggest movies for sure uh were those rom-coms in the 40s and 50s were some of the top grossing films of those years um and then you know you think of i don't know like stuff like i mean mark ruffalo he's an avenger and he was in 13 going on 30 yeah and yeah. he well you look at a lot of these and it's like a lot of actors now like their first movies were rom-coms like 13 going on 30 yeah. while you were sleeping clueless like, like there's i would watch another of... mark ruffalo rom-com yeah. if you put mark ruffalo in a rom-com paul rudd. now paul rudd oh my god i would he was he's he's I, he's an avenger uh, i love paul rudd um yeah it's just like i just wish that studios would capitalize on the rom-com more because one i love them and i want to see more rom-coms every year but also yeah. like i i want to see good rom-coms where's yeah. the when harry met sally of today like where is it? I want to yeah, see it. Yeah, that's true. Well, and it's interesting because when Harry Met Sally references Casablanca, which is like one of the biggest rom-coms. Sure. So it's like, I think now you could, that's like, it's been farther since when Harry Met Sally was made, Casablanca was more recent than if they made a movie now and they referenced when Harry Met Sally. So it's like, it's been, it's been enough time where like you can make another one and reference that as a reference point, which sure. is interesting. Yeah. 
And I think with Spider-Man, like that's always the highest grossing superhero movies. And Spider-Man movies are consistently just rom-coms. Um, I mean, if you watch TikTok like, edits I- of Amazing Spider-Man, it's all just Andrew and Emma. Like, like that's the only reason people go is because that's the that Spider-Man movies are romantic comedies. Yeah, I mean, Spider-Man Two is a romantic comedy. Like, I would agree. Very obviously. So I think that's just another sign where, like, even though it's a superhero movie. You know, just look at it a little closer. I said this last week, or I, I don't know if you put it in the episode, but there was this movie, and then The Lost City is also coming out with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Mm. And yeah, I think right. we are kind of post-COVID, we can, we'll be able to see this. I'm predicting that we're going to start leaning into this kind of genre more um mm. of kind of just goofy comedy like pre 2010 comedies that we would get because it feels mm. that way with movies that are coming out and i feel like a post covid era it makes sense because while dramas and you know all that will still be made and will still be good uh i do think there's going to be a sort of renaissance of people wanting this kind of movie that's just for shits and giggles and you go and you have a good time i think that our you know collective of people need that and i feel like Mm. that's the kind of stuff that people want to make is like people don't want to sit in depressing stuff right now like a lot of times for me personally i choose to put on a happy movie because i'm like i'm tired of being sad and depressed and having drama in my own life right now like, I just want to watch these two people have a good time. Yeah, I think we're definitely going to see more of that. Um, and that's obviously also a, a response to, like, the political situation as well. Yeah. Because whenever there's, like, very centrist politicians in office, filmmakers feel like they shouldn't make political movies anymore. So <laughs> I think that's also kind of a thing where it's be like, yeah, everything's good now, guys. Yeah, Let's right. do some fun stuff. And then next time people actually end up realizing that the political situation in America is terrible. They'll be like, we need to make more political movies now Yeah, where it's like, it's never changed. But I do think we're going to see more like look, this time next year, we'll probably be able to see it more clearly with some of the releases that are coming up. Um, but let's talk about this one. Yeah. Cause this is, I think one of the first, I, th- I actually surprisingly, I think the three, five, five is actually also a good example. Cause that's like, a very awful like ensemble movie that no one saw where it's like, that's also a very 2008 nine thing. Um, But this is marry me, which released simultaneously in theaters and on Peacock, which is a cool, cool that they did that because there's like, obviously right now is not everyone wants to go out to the theater. And this feels like a very stay at your own house and watch this on Valentine's weekend movie. Yeah, definitely. This is, uh, I was surprised. I didn't know this until the credits that this is based on a graphic novel. I didn't know that either. Bobby Crosby, which came out like pretty recently. I think it was like 2020. It came out. I saw or something. So fast turnaround. Pretty interesting. And, it's like really interesting like to look at because I looked it up on Amazon and there's like some of the frames are in there and it's like a not what you would expect. Like it's a very stylized art style, like a graphic novel. So it's interesting that they got they looked at that and then they made, made this. this, which is a very more 
classic romantic comedy that's not very stylized because romantic comedies aren't really very stylized most of the time right this was going to release last year february 12th then they delayed it till may which is another like if i was going to think of another time than valentine's day i think may would probably be a good time for this in the spring um but then they moved it i don't know why it's just on wikipedia said a shift in the release schedule maybe universal the distributors had another movie in may yeah um and then they moved it to february 11th which was a few days ago so uh i think it was the right call to put it back to i definitely agree do you know they spent 15 million dollars on television commercials for this you know okay so i was surprised at this at first when i first read it but then i thought about it and i'm like you know what this does not surprise me at all because i have been and i know peacock is their own service but i have been binge watching through modern family on peacock for Mm. the past month or so and every commercial break they play a teaser for this i have seen the teaser for this probably 200 times because i've watched through nine seasons of modern family now so that's like over 100 episodes and if you think it plays every single commercial break but it's always like (laughs) they just do the marry me marry me marry Marry me um and then uh they play like they play the line where he says well uh, call me if you're lonely and then she calls and she's like he's like what and she's like i'm lonely um they play that clip (laughs) in a teaser (laughs) yeah so that does not surprise me that they spent this much money on advertising so far over the weekend it made eight million dollars which is not bad it has a 23 million dollar budget so i think it will probably like just make its money back um and i don't think really peacock probably cut into it too much yeah yeah that doesn't surprise me i mean like i feel like right now i mean uh, what uncharted also came out and death on the nile t- is in the theater uncharted is next week actually oh, okay death on the nile did come out this okay week, though, uh, right. yeah. yeah so i feel like i don't know most people if they're choosing between death on the nile and marry me would probably lean towards death on the nile yeah because it, it seems more generic um but yeah i know a lot of people who watch this on peacock i watched it on peacock same yeah do you think that that like affected your experience like i don't because for me like i actually preferred watching this on peacock i think it would have like it didn't feel like a theater release. yeah i'll say this type of movie i probably would have gone and seen it in the theater if it was Mm -hmm. not on peacock just because i like owen wilson and i like a good rom-com i would have seen it Uh, but also i think i prefer this in the at-home setting because rom-coms to me feel very much like couch movies like you put on Mm. a sweater and sweats and you grab a blanket and maybe you grab a nice little snack and a cup of tea and you can sit down and watch the movie they're supposed to be kind of cozy feeling comfort movies and you Mm -hmm. don't get that same level of cozy comfort in a movie theater as you do on your living room couch Definitely. And I think like there isn't that higher concept hook in this one. And so I think that like that's something that feels more movie theatery where this is very much like we'll get into it. This feels more just like a Hallmark movie to me with like a PG-13 rating. Uh, So I agree that I think the at home experience is what I would have actually preferred. So I'm glad that they put it on Peacock. Yeah. You didn't like this at all. I did not. (laughs) I... Liked it more originally right when I finished watching it, and then Mm -hmm. I thought about it more, and the more I thought about it, the more I didn't like it. That was kind of my, Mm. like, once I sat with it more, I was like, did that really make me feel good? 
I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> so I originally gave it a three. I saw that, I think yeah. I would probably lower my rating to a two. Okay. Uh, at this point. Wow, whole star. Damn. Yeah, I think I would pull it down a whole star. Um, just because, like, mm. you know, when I'm, like, after I watch 13 going on 30, that's kind of my bar, you know? Even though that's a very high bar. Yeah, great. Like, it's a good bar, I though. I don't know. Like, when I finish that movie, I feel really good and, like... You know, I'm like, man, I either, like, want to be in love with these people or, like, be friends with these people. And, like, I'm really happy for them. And this movie, like, I don't know. Like, I think I kind of got caught up in it. But when I was done, I wasn't like, oh, man, I'm so happy they're together. Like, because in 13 going on 30, when, like, he's about to get married to someone else and she's standing there with the dollhouse and he's like, I wish like we would have been able to reconnect sooner it's like oh my god yeah you're like crying like, you're like this is the worst together. thing that would have happened yeah so <laughs> yeah exactly that's my biggest thing like there's a lot of issues i have with this movie but like i said at the beginning if i like the main two characters and i want them to be together then i really can forgive a lot but i really did not care about either of them and i didn't feel like they had any chemistry which made me not want them. To, like, I didn't care that they were together or not. Yeah. Like, in the scene, full spoilers right now, in the scene where she breaks up with her on, on like, the rooftop. Oh, my God. I was like, that is the worst scene I was in like, the whole movie. I mean, it, it makes sense to me. Like, sure, I feel like the I movie mean, could end right yeah, now. Yeah, because that, <laughs> and I love Owen Wilson, but, like, I don't know. I feel like they didn't, utilize him right in this movie they he didn't even he made like two jokes maybe yeah, like, like actual he's jokes he's so funny and he's a good actor and like he i think he can be attractive in loki he wasn't very attractive in, in this loki movie, when say. he is playing mobius like i think that he's attractive in that like i think he yeah, looks his character really good. good in loki i mean yeah but like even if his character isn't good like just like if you look at him on a poster you're like Wow, yeah. Owen Wilson looks really good here. Like with this no, they short, made him look weird almost in this. like, like his, his. It looked he looked wa- whack. Well, in this and I movie. think they were like, like trying to be like, oh, ha, ha. like he's a math teacher. He doesn't take care of himself. But like, I just feel like, uh, but I like they just did him dirty because I feel like he can yeah. be unattractive. And I do like the. I mean, I like Sebastian Stan, but. I also think that, like, you can have a very not as conventional person, uh, like, conventionally attractive person in a movie and still be like, like, Luke Wilson, for example, in Legally Blonde, he's not super attractive in that movie, but you're like, you're just a nice guy. Oh my God, Emmett. Like, I want to be with (laughs) Emmett. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. They didn't utilize him properly in this to make him, like, Mm. uh, you you really like him. And I think JLo's fine. I don't think she's a great actress. Yeah. Did you see her in Hustlers? Because I I think, like, that, that was actually, like, I was pretty impressed with her in that. And this felt like kind of a step down. I didn't think she was great in that i thought that she definitely did a very good job i've seen her in other rom-coms um yeah the wedding planner planner which is awful by the way that's one of my least favorite rom-coms um because i hate infidelity plot lines i'm pretty sure that was why i didn't Mm. like that one is i think there was like some cheating going on and that is i can't do it yeah i just think i agree with, with you that scene definitely was like 
Well, and it's so crazy because he has this big <laughs> moment where he's watching her and you think his whole thing is going to be like, oh my God, I am in love with her and like I need right. to go like tell her and profess my love. Like that's where I mm. thought it was going, which is that's the natural yeah. progression of the rom-com. But instead he goes and he's like, oh, the, we're not meant for each other. You're t- you're too big of a star and for it's like, me. What like, the I, fuck are you talking about? The thing was that was his entire issue at begin before they got together. Like why he didn't want to get together with her, and it felt like he got over that, and then he just reverted back to like actually no. I you we aren't the same anymore. Yeah, it's very um, weird. There's just a lot weird. of weird tonal issues and I actually think um I could be wrong. I think a lot of the issue is the editing. I do think they tried to do some stylistic things with the phone screens and the live streams and all that, which I oh think Oh my gosh. How, who stupid. live streams this much? I think also. it's stupid, like, but I do think like I I can give them a pass on that because I do think they tried to use their creative liberties to be like, oh, because she's a social media star, we can do this. I don't think it worked mm. at all, but I yeah. I can give them a pass on that. I do think a lot of the dialogue was just stitched together very poorly. Uh, some of the scenes where, like, the scene where they're in her his apartment, both of the scenes in his apartment, the first one where they're just kind of mm. talking, and then the second Great apartment one after, also. like, okay. Good apartment. If he's a math teacher, well, that's what I was saying. Like he couldn't afford no it, way but it looks nice. He's affording <laughs> that big of an apartment because this is what in Manhattan. Uh, for yeah, Manhattan. I mean, a two-bedroom bed. apartment. No way. There is yeah. absolutely no. Well, way. I don't know. Also, like how much his ex-wife makes because I like how much of the child support she's paying. Yeah, but, but he must be paying a lot of it if he's if he can get that apartment. Like he's got to be chipping in. There's quite no a bit. way he makes that much as a te- as a teacher, a math teacher. No. Um. No. Yeah. So I guess like I I just thought some of the editing, like the cuts were just really weird to me. The way they kept, I mean, some of the camera angles were bad too. But the way they kept making those cuts between the her like assistant camera person like her camera person's yeah, camera like and then the regular camera yeah. and then the so live bad. it just was very strange to me the way this movie was cut together and i think it definitely changed the tone of the movie a lot and made some scenes feel kind of rushed and didn't give yes. space for the dialogue to breathe but then the movie was also too long and it was like a lot of the stuff could have been cut out yeah. and given more because I think if they had, like, given more time for some of the dialogue, then it could have been better to build their chemistry. I don't know. That's just mm. one thing that I thought yeah. when I was watching it. No, I, I agree with all of that. Cinematography choices were were wild to have that ha- random handheld footage just, like, shoved uh, and also, in like, there. They tried to differentiate between the handheld footage and the regular footage and make the handheld footage look, l- like, less... Worse. Yeah, which is weird to me because that's not the case now. Like, we Gosh. live in 2022, and these yeah. camera people that work for professionals have really nice rigs. And I can't imagine right. that whatever camera he's shooting on would look that bad. I It just was it very strange to like, me. It was real. He was bad at, it. and like he had like a stabilizer. Like it wouldn't have looked like it did. No, it that was shaky. Just, yeah. And yeah, it was not great. Also, the music, terrible music. It was basically just Hallmark movie music. 
Like yeah. I was listening to it, and when I looked, they had like the little the little violins, like do 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 do. Like it was like just Hallmark movie music, and I was like, "This is what are they doing?" Like this. I is do think her song full blown like, movie when they did the ballad version of her song with Bastian and her. I mean, singing, it sounded production. Was I thought fine. it was fine. I, I think it was catchy. Which is what matters in a movie like this, mm, but I wasn't great. like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. Well, first of all, it did not feel like this would be the number one song in the world, and second of all, if this was the number one song in the world, it wouldn't have just been nominated for pop vocal performance. It would have been nominated for record or song of the year. Like if this is number one song, like if this is as big of a deal as you're making it, it doesn't make sense why it just wouldn't be nominated for pop vocal performance. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Um, and all, yeah, the, the, the whole like element of her being a star and like them, I don't know. It felt both at the same time, like way bigger of a deal than it would be in real life. Like the fact, how big a star she was and how many people loved her, but also it felt like way less of a deal, if that makes sense. Like it, they didn't have a good handle on how pop culture works in 2020 because yeah. we don't really have stars like that anymore. Um, that's like people doing Vitamix commercials and like, that doesn't feel like 2020. It feels like 2015. Um, exactly. Yeah. Like it didn't feel like they had a good grasp on. Yeah. They the should have po- had her doing culture. a bang energy. If she had done a bang, a bang energy, energy ad, yeah. that would have been more believable. <laughs> what have been interesting is cause I know she's older and they were trying to do like the thing where the industry doesn't respect her as much. It would have been interesting if they had added in like an influencer plot line kind of thing where like she's being pushed out by influencers sure. which are like the new celebrities because that's what it felt like it felt like very old celebrity of her uh and the way they were treating her character um i felt like that too and actually don't look up because with ariana grande's character and kid cuddy's character like the way that movies right now are portraying pop stars is not how pop stars are anymore yeah which is interesting like that they're that they're just they feel out of touch with it definitely um even the concert, like, that looked like... I know it's COVID, which is probably a huge reason, but the concert looked, like, very small. I thought that, too, because they were blowing it. I mean, I, I know that they did, like, a live of it, which is where most of the people were watching, but they're like, 20 million people! And then she's in, like, <laughs> just a regular, like, club venue. Like, it's, like... Yeah, like, not even a stadium. It's not a, an arena or anything, and I know that that was probably, like, they just capacity with covid and stuff weren't able to film i don't know parts of this Mm. i don't know when this was filmed but again don't look up they had a huge stadium show they were able to make it feel like a full stadium concert which i think is what they they were saying like she's that big of a star some of it i don't know like it it just is like crazy to me because some things well and that concert seems so dead like if anyone has been to a concert you know that like if you're in the pit (laughs) There's not any space to just stand there. Yeah, you're not like, standing the there just like with your like, with your sign. You're yeah. you're definitely not sitting down. Like he was sitting down at one point, and I was like, "What? Have these people even ever been to a concert? Especially for like <laughs> someone who's supposedly like at the same level as like I don't know, like Billie Eilish, or like that, like mm. someone well, who's a major and pop they had- star." bastion on during his song they had like 20 girls like coming up right and touching him and i'm like this is not how concerts is work very there's weird. like a 20 foot there's like a 20 foot barrier between yeah. stage and general admission yeah, very strange it was interesting 
the way um, they decided to do the I, pop I will say angle. one thing yeah. I did like, I liked the kids in the math class. I thought that they were oh, funny. Yeah. I I love kids like that in movies, especially nerdy kids. Um, I, I loved the mathletes. It was a little bit like there was a couple lines where I cringed pretty hard. Yeah. I don't know. We're, again, a little out of touch. We're like, they're looking up stuff on their laptops. And it's just like, I don't know. There's It felt a little bit like they that the people that wrote this also just didn't really interact with kids very yeah. much. I, I don't know. I like the idea of that sure. and having it be kind of like a school of rock thing. I would have rather them focus more on that yeah. and less on just her and Owen Wilson. Cause I think him and the kids were like the best aspect of the movie. Honestly, a whole movie with just Owen Wilson as a math teacher, like coaching these kids to a math without the rom-com element I, yeah. would have been a pretty great movie, 100%. like school of rock style, but but for math nerds, oh, I'm here I think for that it. would be great. I'm totally down. I don't. I definitely think uh, for me in the moment, like I enjoyed watching this movie. Like I wasn't, you know, super invested, but I wasn't not invested. And I think that like it's definitely one that you can throw on, maybe with a group of friends, maybe with your family, like watching a movie night, mm-hmm. just kind of throw it on and be like, oh, hearty har har, look at how funny this is. But I would probably never rewatch this. So I, I don't know that if it falls under that sort of rewatchability that I like in rom-coms. Uh, but I think it works in some ways and then really doesn't work in other ways. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the worst movie. I also watched Tall Girl 2 and that was considerably worse. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have not. I did not watch Tall Girl 2. Um, yeah, I would not recommend this really at all i i really didn't like it um it was like i was kind of invested in like i don't know like i was trying to pay attention in the beginning because i was excited for it i was thinking it could be like at least a fun time but by the end i was like just so done with this movie and i didn't care about any of the characters and it was way too long like way too long for a movie like this and I think there are just a lot better options if you want this kind of movie. Even stuff that, like, they release on Netflix. Like, they release rom-coms on Netflix all the time. I would rather watch one of those. I don't know about Tall Girl too, But, like, I'd rather watch something like that than this. This just felt, like, stuck in the past in a bad way. And also, they just didn't have a handle on any of the characters. So, yeah, what did not love it. Um, also, here's the thing. If this is, like, a very obviously cheesy, they don't really care about, like, making this, like, a realistic, grounded movie. I mean, who is what pop star is going to propose to a random guy in the audience? I know they say that that's crazy, but it still would never happen. But if we're already this far in, just make them win the mathalon thing. Like, we don't, I don't need a realistic, like message where like you still tried like just make them win yeah like it's already so cheesy just give us what we want that was another like there's this movie called the long shot which was like a 2006 like football movie and about i think it had ice cube in it and he was like running the scrappy football team and spoilers for the long shot they lose in the final championship game and i'm like this is already like everyone watching this is not here for a realistic story. Just make them win. Like, yeah, who cares just, if it's predictable? Like that's what we're here for. 
Right. You're not like making anyone like, oh my word, they didn't even take the easy route. Like, no, I don't take the easy route, please. (sighs) But it is interesting that this did come out. Like, I think the fact that this did get made says a lot about maybe what studios are thinking of make, like you said, like moving towards in movies and mainstream movies. And I, if this does well like if this makes yeah his money i do back, I think want them more to make more so i'm like at the same time i'm like this is bad don't watch it but i'm also like do watch it because we need to show studios that we want more of these so <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe i'll like use my regal unlimited subscription to like buy a seat but just i just won't go but like it will still get the money uh just because i would like that I, w- I would like to see more of this just like i think you can do this in a much better way like i said so yeah. maybe they just keep doing it this is like it just felt like they were a little rusty. Yeah, we just need on the one to hit. for sure. Um, yeah, I don't think this one is gonna hit the the pop culture consciousness no. like the Twitter sphere. This does not feel like very made for that. Yeah. Any any final thoughts before we get to the outro here? No. Let's let's roll into the outro. All right. So our question of the week this week then is what is your favorite rom com? So we gave you some of ours. So we want to hear some of yours. Uh, and if it's one of the ones we already mentioned, then that's fine. Um, just let us know. Because those are all the best ones, on. obviously. Yeah. So Right, yeah. So they, it's got to be one of ours. Yeah, you can reach out to us with that on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're on all those. Our website is also in the description down below. Um, what else? You can email us Spotify, at like we said. Filmcritics at gmail.com. But yeah, Spotify, you can also answer in the Q&A feature. You can just type in mm. the answer. We can pin it and see I mean, see you can it. type it in anywhere. But yes, we, yes, Yeah, we yes, will yes, pin yes, it on yes, Spotify, yes, though. Yes. If you do it on Spotify, we can pin it, and everyone listening can see your favorite rom-com. Um, which, you know, who doesn't want to be famous for their favorite rom-com? Sure. <laughs> Kayla, what is our next episode? We've got a big one. We've got the the big fish, the big the big one of the sea. Um, and that the, is the big fish <laughs> is uh not the movie the big fish, which is a great movie by the mm. way. Uh, but we'll be doing our second hand film awards, which are superior to the Oscars. Um, yes, yes, the nominations for the Oscars just came out, and so you know we have to counter. With our superior nominations. This will be our third annual Secondhand Film Awards. Um, Mm. So if you want to know what we've done in the past, uh, you can definitely go listen to our first and second one of the previous two years. Uh, But we've got some really good good stuff for you. We've got all the main categories. We try to do some more niche films that aren't just, you know, the main Oscar bait films. And then we also have best dog and we have maybe a new category uh which is similar oh. to best dog this year uh you know we had to expand the horizons a little <laughs> um, bit you so know? definitely tune in for that uh we have best needle drop so we try to uh definitely like throw in some more fun categories in addition to all the main categories uh so you don't mm. want to miss it there's some good good stuff yeah we got to uh get in there and make our picks now because we have our yes, whole list of all of our options but we gotta we gotta pare it down a little bit um but yeah i'm excited for that because that's always one of my favorite episodes we do because it's it's always it's very fun uh so tune into that next tuesday yes all right well until next time I'm Noah. And I'm Kayla. And we're... And we're your second-hand film critics. critics.